We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Buzz Beat. The Hornets have dropped to a 3-9 and nine record after 12 games and continue to suffer on the defensive side of the court with a defensive-minded coach in Steve Clifford. This is Richie. I'll be joined by BG for a quick film rewind episode. We've done several of these before where we focus on you know a player and a game, uh, but we've included three clips from Charlotte's most recent game, 108-122 loss to the New York Knicks on Saturday night. As always, there is a video component to this, but we will try to do our best to highlight and illustrate these clips for the listeners that only listen to the audio version. Also, as we get into this, we wanted to make sure, if you haven't done so already, to give us a review on Apple Podcast. We'd really appreciate the the kind words uh, because it does help us get noticed even more. So, Brian, before we get into this, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm doing better than uh, the professional sports teams are in Charlotte, uh, save for maybe Charlotte FC. But other than that, I'm hanging in, man. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. That's that's a low bar, but but yeah. I, I guess you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's all relative, but yeah, yeah. no, I'm yeah. doing well. I'm doing good. well. All right. I wanted to do a quick exercise before we get into the, the three clips that we're going to show. And after 12 games here, still a small sample size, but I think that you can start to pick up on some trends. And I just wanted to quickly list in your mind, the top three things that are plaguing the Hornets right now this year. I'm going to go ahead and start, and these aren't necessarily in any kind of order. I'm sure most people listening could probably pick four, five, six things, and I I definitely wouldn't argue with those four, five, or six things. So the first thing that I wanted to point out is three-point shooting. Uh, This team is last in terms of shot distribution from behind the arc, and they are 29th uh, in percentage from three-point land. LaMelo Ball right now is really the only player on this team that has been a real threat from behind the arc, and that's mostly coming from you know pull-up opportunities. And we've talked about how he's done a good job as an off-ball shooter as well. But the off-ball gravity uh, in terms of the other players and the movement from behind the arc really hasn't been a thing for Charlotte so far. So I think opponents don't necessarily have to worry about sagging too deep off of drives because no one on the team currently uh, is going to hurt them. 
So that that obviously clogs up the lane, and they know that the Hornets are a team that likes to get to the rim. So that's number one for me, three-point shooting. Uh, number two, Brian, on the opposite end, I think it's three-point defense. Th- this team is allowing teams to shoot 39% from three, which is third worst in the NBA. And a lot of those are coming from the corners. And to me, that's an indicator of a defense that collapses or has to collapse pretty quickly and not being able to keep the ball in front of them. And maybe on the back end, the rotations aren't as sharp. So that's number two. So those kind of go, they're like opposites. Three-point shooting on offense, three-point defense on the other end. And then number three, you could probably pick a couple things on the defensive side of the court, but... (laughs) I'm going to go with transition defense, mainly because that's the reason we're doing this video podcast. We've seen lapses in communication. We've seen lapses in effort, uh, paying attention to detail. You know, when you're taught uh, to play transition transition defense on basketball, you're kind of like, okay, communicate, but also stop ball. But also by the same token, you can't really focus all on the ball. Like you've got to be able to make sure you're, you're looking at the other players that are filling the lane. And so I looked this up on cleaning the glass. Opposing teams are adding 4.8 points per 100 transition possessions when they face Charlotte, which is a league best for opponents. So those are my three. Three Three-point shooting, three-point defense, and transition defense. Yeah, all good. You know, you could probably pick out 13 things that are worth uh, mentioning here. But since since you mentioned transition defense and since we're going to, like, talk about that a little bit more, I'll stay away. I'll, I won't mention that in terms of my three, though it's probably like, you know, fourth or fifth. Right. Um, I will say, like, I'll, I'll go to just sort of like, I mean, you mentioned three-point shooting. Um, I will just say, like, second-side offense, um, which is, like, very much attached to this three-point shooting uh, woes. Certainly the injury to Terry Rozier has been pretty bad, although – if you're trying to look at it from a positive side, it's given Brandon Miller some more opportunities. And if you're looking for like any sort of positives with this team right now, I think a lot of it centers on the play of, of Miller. He had a great, another great game against New York um, over the weekend. They're, they're dead last in the NBA spot up efficiency, according to synergy um, under 46% effective shooting um, under 0.88 points per spot up possession Again, worst in the NBA in terms of that. Um, we talk on this podcast a lot, and when people talk about uh, basketball a lot, whether it's the NBA, WNBA, college basketball, everyone talks about paint touches, right? And getting right. the paint, and um, and that's like that's the key. Everyone's offense, you know, Steve Cliff, whether it's Steve Clifford, James Borrego, whomever, like everyone wants to get a piece of the paint. They want two feet in the paint. The Hornets coming into today. Uh, they are number two in the NBA in terms of volume of attempts at the rim. 38.5% of their field goal attempts have been within, you know, four feet inside the restricted area. Only Orlando uh, with, you know, another team that really struggles shooting the ball um, is ahead of them in terms of like percentage of shots that come inside the restricted area. Shots at the rim are supposed to mean, you know, they're supposed to be free throws. They're supposed to be putbacks. They're the most valuable shots, though. So, like, they're also supposed to open up kickouts, right? Because, like, that's part of it. Like, you you touch the paint, you collapse defenses, you spray out the shooters. And it's just not there. And even going through the New York game last night, like, I know we're going to focus in on transition defense, 
But Richie, like we definitely could pick out a handful of clips of just like how much it's not like quite like college level terms of like overplay, but the, the way that like, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau in New York were loading up and helping off of shooters last night. There was one possession. I think it was like a Miller Mark Williams pick and roll. Um, and they had McGowan's and I can't remember. I think Ish Smith spaced to the weak side and Jalen Brunson was just like on the opposite side of the lane, even though the guy he was guarding was in the weak side corner. Like there's so, like, there's just, you don't need to respect some of the perimeter players right. from, from catching and shooting on this team. So like it's a, that's a big problem. I would say point of attack defense and just sort of like overall, like versatility, you know, the Hornets want to play, they want to play drop coverage. They want Mark Williams. They want, you know, Nick Richards to be back in the paint. And I think Mark Williams is like a pretty good, like drop defensive center, but part of executing proper drop coverage is you need guys that can really fight over screens and stay engaged and, and, and bother shooters. And I think outside of Brandon Miller, like you're just not getting that really, I mean, Hayward, I, I suppose some of that from Hayward, who knows he's, he's got good size, knows how to use his body, but you know, outside of those two guys, and like if, Gordon Hayward is like an example of like good point of attack defense, you know, like positive point of attack defense, you know, for a roster, it, it sort of like speaks to the overall woes. And, and also too, with uh, Clifford really valuing Rozier as a point of attack. Yeah. Yes. He keeps mentioning that as the case as well. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a huge, it's a, it's a concern. And I mean, you know, the, some of the, like LaMelo needs to be, to, to be better. I mean, like, I think he does good stuff defensively in terms of like, uh, you know, as a team defender and flying around, and, and maybe the the quotient in terms of like gambling versus staying at home has been a little out of whack this year. But I mean, everyone on the perimeter, yeah, you know, everyone who's in the the one, two, three spots on this roster, you know, needs to do a better job. Um, with maybe the exception of like Miller, who I think has sort of like held his own as he's continued to have a sensational rookie season. And then the last thing, and this would be, you know, we're not going to have we don't have but just a few seconds here to sort of like touch on this, but we could do a whole pod on it at some point. Maybe it's a bit of a tease. It's just the overall lack of talent and vision on this roster, a couple of injuries and it's, and like this team just can't do anything, you know, like Terry Rozier goes down. I mean, James Booknight may not even be in the rotation, but you know, his injury, like his presence is felt. And like, we don't even know if James Booknight's an NBA player at this point. Terry Rozier, you know, a 30 year old shooting guard goes down and all of a sudden you can't make perimeter jump shots. Like there just isn't enough talent on this team. And for them to try to keep forcing this roster into being a play in or playoff team, it's just the same old story. Like ownership has changed. Coaching staff has changed and changed again and changed back. And it's the same. It's just literally the same thing. It's trying to, to, to bake bread without all the right ingredients, you know, like just hoping it works out. And surprisingly it doesn't. And when you have such a small margin of error and you pull one piece out from that, no, it's just, just no surprise that it all like sort of like falls apart. So that's part of a bigger conversation. If you want to take like the 35,000 foot view of this team, um, it's, it's not good to look at. And uh, so I would say that I would say, I would say spot up second side play, I would say point of attack defense and really how that sort of like mixes into the drop coverage. I think it's also why like the pick and pops have given them so much of an issue this year, because like they're not, 
they're not holding they're not holding their ground at the point of attack and then when that first pass gets swung their the rotations are off and then again sort of is the the big picture one is that just like overall like what's the vision here and what are you going to do about putting together a roster that has better talent on it um what's the plan for that so anyways those would be my my three things for the hornets we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I like those three. They they overlap a little bit with mine, but yeah, we'll, yeah. These, these are basically six different things that we can. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the one of the one of the ones that I talked about was transition defense, and point of this episode is to kind of show you guys some clips with transition defense, and we'll go ahead and pull yeah. up the first one here. And as always, we like to play it one time through, and I mm-hmm. do extend it to the offensive side so we can see what led to the transition defense. And to me, this is, uh, of the three, this is probably the one that's the most forgivable. Maybe you don't think it's a, it's a negative play by any means if you guys are watching this right now, but we'll go ahead and talk about it. This is uh, in the first quarter with about 10 minutes left to play, and th- there's a pick and roll here on the offensive side of the court with uh, PJ taking a right wing three. It kind of bounces out to the corner, and PJ is tempted to kind of follow his shot and get the ball. But the problem is Julius Randle, his man, and the matchup that he has, he's contested, and he's already up the court. And so because of that, they've had to have a cross match here. And you'll see here in the picture who's on Randle. It's LaMelo. (laughs) So of the five players on the court, he's probably the least likely one to kind of stop this. And so the court is cleared basically completely out on the left-hand side. 
And then you've got Mark Williams, who obviously realizes this. His man is probably needs to be Mitchell Robinson, but Mitchell Robinson is going to the right side of the court. And then Mark Williams is still on the left side of the court on, on the block here because he knows that this is probably going to be an opportunity for Julius Randle to take advantage of LaMelo. So you've got this four on three situation on the opposite end. And it's almost as if like PJ is guarding Mitch and RJ. You've got Miller who's guarding Mitch and uh, Brunson here. And then you've got Hayward up top guarding uh, DiVincenzo who just went crazy in this game. So <laughs> as you can see, you got Mark Williams who's kind of like in and out of the paint to make sure that defensive three seconds uh, does not come. And so he's on the right side. I'm sorry, the left side with LaMelo here and the drive comes and he's kind of out of position. Like he's, he's, he's like more baseline than he is the inside. And you've got Brandon Miller in, in Washington that are defending <laughs> Mitchell Robinson and Washington obviously needs to be uh, accounted for for the RJ pass. <laughs> Brandon Miller needs to account for Brunson while also oh, account for God. Mitch. So he's he's so deep at this point. And it, you know, inevitably you got Randall here who basically has all the Hornets players in the paint. You've yeah. Got shooters, yeah, you've got shooters on the outside. Uh, and, go ahead. Just Richie, like he, I wanted to make get this in while you have this freeze frame up. Like Randall could pass it to basically anyone here. Yeah, like like who is? I mean, maybe Brunson. It's a like hard PJ, pass, yeah. But PJ and Miller are like sort of gapped up enough. But like everyone's in the paint. But like it does feel like if he could get if he could like swoop this around Mark Mark Williams, then like he'd have a dunk. But just like it just I know like freeze framing doesn't tell a perfect story, but man, it just looks like everyone's open here for Randall. Um, and yeah, the the, the cross matches in this game. Uh, for tr- Charles' transition defense, did them, did them, uh, you know, uh, didn't do them any favors. But eventually, it leads to a pass to Barrett and then a <laughs> pass to Brunson. And I think Randall does a good job of holding Miller off with his eyes because with Mitchell Robinson down on that block and, and Miller obviously having to account for him, he's a little bit late coming out to Brunson, which is, exp- you know, it's probably forgivable in, in certain, you know, instances here, but. I don't know. I, there is one thing, and I'll, I'll let you talk about it here, but there is one thing that I think that they could have done differently. Uh, but of the three clips, this one, like I said, is not as egregious as the others. Yeah. I mean, it starts with the Hornets running like one of, you know, they do give PJ the occasional ball handling, pick and roll possession. And they like to do this one where they they run a UCLA screen into an empty side ball ball screen for, for PJ. So you see Brandon comes off the UCLA screen right into the empty side ball screen with Williams. Um We'll get into this more over the, the next two clips, but just like the communication is so poor here. Like you can just see that, like the, again, the matchups, like PJ and, and Mark not communicating who's got who, the rotations not being there. Like so much of this stuff, I do think comes down to really simple. Like, are you talking? How are you talking? Like all of these guys know how to play basketball. Like a lot of these guys are veterans. Like one of the, one of the, selling points on the Hornets as like a, a team to hit the over in terms of win total this year was like the continuity aspect. It's like a lot of these guys have played a lot of basketball together at this point. So um, for them to be having like these kinds of issues, that's like really like basketball one oh one, like communicating who you got rotating um, pretty disappointing. And look, it speaks to like sort of some of the strengths of the, of New York too. Like they've got big, strong guys in the forwards room with with Barrett and with Randall, both those guys can initiate. They can play make, 
And Tom Thibodeau has no issue just playing murder ball with those guys. Like they want to find matchups, poke at it, and play out of it. Uh, this team is strong, and, and Robinson is also obviously like a you know a crisis to deal with in terms of like his work at the rim and on the glass. So, and then, then if even Tenjo's going you know going crazy, then you know what are you going to? They're, they're they're really tough to match up with in the, in that case. So, um, but to me, just the disappointing part is like the this you can see it just watching from your computer or your TV screen like. The communication is way off. They're not talking or it's not like or something's being lost in translation. Um, they're certainly lost in transition. <laughs> that is uh, that's for sure. But, yeah, disappointing to say the least. And, again, I feel like this is just like strength on weakness in terms of like what New York has versus what Charlotte lacks defensively. I think that's a perfect title for this uh, episode, Lost in Transition. (laughs) Very creative, Brian. Uh, The only thing that I wanted to point out that they could have done differently, I I know that you can't avoid every cross match, but knowing that the the worst cross match in this specific example is right here, Randall uh, with a double on him, could there be an opportunity for PJ to switch right here? You know, maybe communicate. I, I know it's difficult. I know it's very difficult, but they're kind of moving away from the left side every moment at that mm-hmm. point obviously it's too late at this point but like and yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you have done that but yeah I maybe i think if you're i think if you're like locked in and on a string maybe what what is what is disappointing is like the the roster that's on the court for the hornets in this play is is yeah. six seven six eight six nine six seven seven foot like this on in and i know like Lamelo's like uh, a little different because he's he's skinny and he's not right. like a great like man to man defender, but it's like conceivably this is like a lineup that in in, in Mark Williams is like very mobile for a seven footer. Like in theory, this is a lineup you shouldn't like feel bad getting cross matched with. You know, um, it'd be one thing if it's you know Rozier or Booknight or Ishmet. You know, all of a sudden, then it's then it's a bigger issue. But um, yeah, it's disappointing that you have all of this like you know like size personnel, and and even then, it's not like producing the it's not giving you the types of advantages you'd like for it to be able to afford you. All right, let's move on to clip number two. This also comes in uh, the first quarter with about five minutes and 21 seconds remaining, or at least that's when the basket goes through. Hornets are down 11 at this point. And as the clip plays out, you'll see what (laughs) results for the Knicks. Uh, DiVincenzo, we mentioned before, uh, that's obviously how that ends up a right wing three with nobody Nobody near him as Randall just kicks it across. There it is. So Mello is obviously running back to get up to Brunson. Uh, he's kind of coming across Randall at this point. So we know that that's what we want. We want LaMelo on Brunson, you know, potentially Hayward. But at this point, it's either Hayward or Bridges on Randall. They're, they're like, you know, like you said, there's no communication. Obviously, these videos are muted, but you're not really missing much here in terms uh-huh. of the so with Hayward being a little bit closer and Miles being a couple steps back, you would think that just this is just Hayward's guy right here. I mean, obviously, it's on both guys to kind of communicate this, but there really isn't many mismatches here other than Ish Smith right here in the, uh, you know, in, the, in the paint here with RJ, but that's not the issue. The issue is DiVincenzo wide open on this right wing three, and when you have the occasions where there's not the mismatch like last possession, like you've got to be able to communicate through that. And yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but nobody picks up uh, Dante here. Yeah. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. Like truly, this is, this is, 
as bad transition defense as you'll find um, in the the NBA. Like again, no, where's the communication? Where's the talk? Um, it, some of this is like should be as I think sort of like basic you know transition principles, but you can smooth over some of that if guys are talking and, and guys are are sort of like uh, knowing where the other guy wants to be, and if not, then pointing that out. Um, I mean. Bridges doesn't just doesn't pick anyone up in this clip. Like, you know, like who who is he guarding here? Is, but, is, but, is he thinking that Hayward's picking up Brunson at this point? I, I mean, Lamelo doing. I, I'm not really sure. I, I get. I mean, I, but like when you freeze it here, it's like who? Like I like he's on Randall. You know, so yeah. it's just it's really confusing. I mean, I think like well, I you know, say like I think Lamelo and Hayward are like in Williams are like the. I think those guys like actually have it like they're at least like where they're supposed to be, but like whether they're communicating that is the issue. And then certainly like ish guarding RJ is a, you know, like, I mean, New York, they felt like could have just thrown it into him for a layup here. Um, but I mean, just a good shooter to be literally standing, like look how early he's open here. Like I, I just, this, the DiVincenzo won't get an easier catch and shoot three all season than this. Like this yeah, is 70, just, 77. The ref might be able to block him, but I mean, he's, he is far and away the closest person on, like there are people in the front row that are closer <laughs> to him <laughs> than, than anyone on the Hornets. Like it, it's kind of, I mean, every perimeter defender is on the opposite side of the nail. Like they're where, like no one, no one even thought to fan out here. Like it's again, it's, it's, um, Look, you know, a lot of stuff can go wrong if you're isolating one possession, but it's sort of like emblematic of of all of the defensive issues with the team right now. This is the worst defense in the NBA. This is the worst transition defense in the NBA, and the the film matches the numbers. And you can even see Lamelo, like, like I mean, he as the shot is like mid air, he is he, but he is sort of like perplexed by. Oh, there's uh, a lot of hands. There's yeah, a lot of, watch yeah. Hayward's hands too when when the pass goes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> no hand in the face. Everyone's hands, uh, you know, pointed to the sky. Yeah. yeah, not not a great defensive position to be in. And like, again, I to the guys who are in the right position, I mean, congratulations. But there's just got to be more communication than this. Because if, if teams are like locked in and talking, then good shooters like this aren't just moonwalking into wide open catch and shoot threes without even a single contest. Like, Something to you can always pay attention to this. If you if you if you're watching a game at any point in time, like uh, you don't even need to be tracking this statistically, but you can just just like pause and see what contests look like and see if the shots go in or not. Like NBA players, the great only really the great ones are going to make shots over like excellent contests. But if you give a, a no contest like that, then yeah, I mean anyone anyone Mitchell Robinson probably could have stepped in and drilled that shot, and instead it's Divincenzo. So it's like far less forgivable and far less surprising that he drilled it. Yeah. And and to your point about like, you know, you could have four guys being where they need to be, but if you have a fifth guy, that's just off, you know, script and uh, just everything out of whack and not to, not to isolate miles bridges in that situation, but he was the one that, that caused uh, that right wing three. So we will get to the final clip here, Brian. And this is an interesting one. It's a dead ball turnover. 8.40 8.40 left uh, in the game, and the Hornets are actually trying to claw back here. They're down by eight at this point. So this is following a turnover, and it leads to a corner three. And so you see the ball go out of bounds, a couple people with their heads down, jogging. I, I get it. Like, there's there's a there's a turnover. It's a dead ball turnover. But Hartenstein, 
gets the ball in really quickly to Brunson, who nice. takes a couple of dribbles, hits RJ in the corner, and then Bridges is just not aware of RJ, who has been very good from behind the arc, very good in the corners to start this season, and he drills it, forcing Clifford to take a timeout. I'm not sure if that's in the clip here, but yeah, he points yeah. up to the ref. He needs it. But yeah, this just can't happen. And and this is a Knicks team too, Brian. Like they could care less about pushing the pace. They they are a slow team. They might be last in the NBA in terms of just their overall pace. And kind of what you were talking about earlier, like this guy, this has to be corrected. And after watching clips upon clips upon clips, you know, not in just this game, there needs to be more of an emphasis on transition defense. You know, I think we talked about preaching communication. That solves some things. I think limiting the turnovers, that solves some things. But players themselves have to be a little bit more accountable in terms of like putting forth the effort and and preventing these things from happening. Because to your point, a team that lacks talent, a team that is just one injury away from, you know, a semi-solid season to a disappointing season, everyone needs to be on their like a hundred percent, you know, game, you know, there's a, there's a mental aspect to this game where I feel like is lacking with this whole team and it leads to plays like this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no, like, again, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, And again, I think on all of these communication is the lack of communication is, is key, but this one really does sort of like reek of like accountability. Like, um, you said it a second ago, Richie. Like I just pulled this up from from inpredictable.com. After a made shot, though, the, I know this is after a turnover, but after a made shot, New York is is as is the slowest team in the NBA, nineteen point two seconds per possession. After a turnover, they're twenty third with nine point one seconds per possession. So, like, yeah, you're right. Like this is a, they're an efficient offense, but this is not like they're not like a go go team. Like they're they're like a get the ball into the half court and just maul you with their strength and, and their, their talent. Like all of their guys are just super strong. Brunson, Barrett, Randall, uh, Robinson, Hart. Like it's just a, um, I know quickly is maybe not like the, the strongest guy, but he's, he's a very impressive player and a solid, really solid two way guard too. So it's a, they're a great team. Like I, I will say this, like as an aside, um, if you're a New York fan, it really does feel like this is a team to be proud of because they're they're, they're talented, they're connected, they pounce on everyone's mistakes, they play hard, uh, they're they're like ruthlessly efficient, attacking mismatches. Like, I don't know, man, it's just really a team to take advantage of, or or a team to, that you could like wrap your arms around. I feel, and then, again, to me, because of that, it's no surprise that they were, you know, look at Hardenstein knows, like he, yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's so ahead. You can see this uh, three and a half. Or it happens, you know, and he he makes sure to get the ball out quickly, and the the refs uh, do him a favor and get, get it back quickly. And like maybe the ball takes a weird bounce after the turnover, so like it gets there, you know, it gets to the ref and to Arnstein pretty quickly. But and you, and you were right, like again, the Steve Clifford called a timeout right after this. Um, I'm sure this is the stuff that if if Steve Clifford still had hair, it would probably make him <laughs> probably make it fall out. Like this is absolutely like stuff that can't happen for him in terms of his, you know, philosophy around the game of basketball. And yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see the, um, this is a team that, you know, at this point it's a three possession game with nine minutes to play. You're at home. Um, I know it's a back to back second night of a back to back. Um, yeah, but just like not what the, the, I know where the clips we're showing are from the Hornets broadcast, but the game broadcast that I had, 
uh, through Synergy was the MSG broadcast. So it's Mike Breen and, and Wally Zerbiak doing doing the road games, not not Clyde Frazier. And they had multiple times during this game were like, man, just they were they were remarking, hey, it doesn't seem like the Hornets sort of like want to fight to get back into this game. And this clip uh, does sort of strike me as that it's not maybe not like fair to judge someone in terms of or judge an athlete in terms of like effort and com- compare and to do that from you know watching from my 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 desk or whatever. But on some of these, it does seem so like abundantly abundantly obvious that you, it's sort of hard to not remark on it. Um, if you're trying to look look a little bit favorably, it's like that lineup definitely hasn't played together so far this season. <laughs> Like the Bridges, PJ, Small Ball, Miller, Lamelo, and I can't. I think McGowan's the fifth guy out there. So it's like, you know, maybe they're they're working in some new. They're not working in new stuff necessarily, but like these are some of these are lineups that haven't played previously. So maybe some of this gets smoothed out with more playing time. But that's a very like generous read, I think. Um, and this is all very disappointing because one of the reasons the Hornets played well the final two months last season. Yep was because they started to like nail the small stuff with transition defense. JT Thor, Mark Williams, Dennis Smith Jr., who, man, they missed DSJ just so bad. They could use him. So, like, Richie, you and I were talking about this the other week, but, man, they could they could really use him because they could use another ball handler and they could use another defender. So, yeah, that's all I got. Um, it, it, look, it's going to have to get better. If it doesn't, then this is just going to keep happening every other night. Like, they're just – you're going to have – embarrassing clips like this and you're going to get lit up with wide open catch and shoot threes. Yeah. To your point after March last of students, March started last year, Charlotte was a top 10 top seven team uh, in terms of defense and a lot of different metrics. Currently the Hornets are allowing 122.2 points per hundred possessions, which is the worst in the league, but against the Knicks, it was even worse. It was 128.4 per <laughs> so it's it's interesting to see like you know a Clifford coach team perform this way you know lack of effort lack of communication that's one thing and then also too like how much of that is coaching you know preaching the mm-hmm. communication, preaching the effort like I, I know that these guys have got to find some like internal motivation to do it themselves but it's, it's really hard to judge you know, is it a player thing? Is it a coaching thing? Is it a combination of both? Um, yeah. You don't have all day yeah. to spend on it, but do you have like a a quick thought about like coaching versus X and O's versus effort versus players and all that stuff? Again, we'll just say I'm not surprised that New York has like kind of punked them twice now. And like both games, New York over 1.28, 1.28 points per possession in both games against Charlotte this year. The first matchup, they scored almost 1.5 points per possession against Charlotte. Uh, the Hornets' four worst defensive performances of the season in terms of points allowed per possession have all come on the last 18 days since the calendar flipped to November. So they were bad. They're not trending in a good direction. Um, you know, I generally think like it's about personnel more so than coaching. I think Steve Clifford is a pretty good coach. I think there's a lot of good head coaches in the NBA. I think some of this has to do with not just talent, but like how connected and committed guys are. Um, Because I think a lot of this is like can get ironed out with like, you know, proper communication. Um, So I lean towards like, yeah, like it's it's about the it's about the talent on the floor. It's about the players. And who knows if Steve Clifford's like, you know, um, 
if he's just sort of like, you know, lost the locker room, who knows? I'm not there. So I can't, right. I, I can't, you know, who, you know, we're not, you, you spent some time around the team, Richie. So maybe you have a little bit better idea on some of that stuff, but, uh, I don't know. It feels like one more of these games and we might get one of the press, the type press conferences that Cliff had last year where he sort of just like, you know, is not afraid to go through the media to call guys out. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, that's a pretty desperate move to do that. But the season is just like, I mean, it's, it's, it's unraveling right now. If it, if it was even being held together, I suppose in the first place. Um, so I, again, I think it has more to do with uh St. Clifford's preaching this stuff. It's just not yeah. getting through or yeah. not being executed, you know? Yeah. One thing they can't take away from the Hornets is that pig trophy, Brian. So we've got that going. <laughs> the real, the real in season tournament, the real IST was a, was a, was a PIG who knew. You That's know? right. All right, all right, guys, thanks again for tuning in to another episode. As always, please support us in any way possible. Share this with a friend, retweet it on Twitter, uh, review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to our podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe so you get that episode right away. Like I mentioned, there is a video component to this. So if you're listening to this on the audio version, go ahead and check our YouTube for the film breakdown and then our buzzbeat plus subscribers will have the full episode where we list our top three things that the hornets are you know being plagued by that's going to be the full video version uh, available to you if you are a buzzbeat plus subscriber so i enjoyed doing this brian i appreciate it we'll talk to you guys next time